You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast. Your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. All right, spring practice is in full force, getting the pads going, getting some helmets popping, and the guy who's been on the forefront of these spring practices is a good buddy of mine by the name of Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun, and I was able to catch up with him earlier today real quick to discuss the big issue right now that we have at the tight end position and and some other names of some folks who've been showing out thus far in the spring. So kick back, relax, crack open a cold one as we hear some of the inside scoop here of spring practice from Graham Hall. All right, folks, I have Graham Hall with me from the Gainesville Sun going to discuss some spring practice notes with practice through one scrimmage, I believe. It's been one scrimmage, correct? One scrimmage, One scrimmage yeah. all the way through practice now. So now we're, I guess we're still in phase three, as, as it looks like here with Billy Napier. Um, first of all, before we get into that, how was your birthday? I know you had a birthday. How old are you turning, man? I'm 29. I'm, I'm a youngin'. 29? I've been in Gainesville my entire life, for those who don't know. Grew up here, went to high school here, got lucky enough to get into UF. I don't know if I would do that now, but I then started working at the Independent Florida Alligator, went right from there to the Gainesville Sun, and now I've been at the Gainesville Sun for more than six and a half years now. So it's been quite a ride, and we've seen multiple head coaches. I was there for the last couple of games for Will Muschamp. I was there as Jim McElwain got off the plane and Dan Mullen, and now we are here with Billy Napier in his first spring. And I got to say, everyone asks me, what is the difference? What's the difference? What's the difference? It's so hard to, you know, glean things from the sometimes 10, 15 minutes of viewing that you get. And you remember when Dan Mullen opened up the sidelines fully. Initially, Jim McElwain often only gave us about 15 minutes of stretching, but you could be in the facility after the indoor practice facility was built. You could talk to guys, you know, we would throw footballs around there. So there are a lot of differences in terms of what you can and can't do, who you can and can't be around. But one thing I have noticed about spring is how much more, and they've been using the word structure a lot, but just how much more knowledgeable players and coaches seem when it comes to, okay, what comes next? What are we doing next? What is the objective of this? So there's no time lost in having to, re-explain things, sit there and say, well, where are we going now? Everyone really kind of knows where they're going. And of course, maybe that's the 15 minutes that we're getting. They are putting on a Shakespearean type show and saying like, okay, hey, media's watching. I would like to think not because from what I've seen, some of them have even been like, hey, the media actually had to be here right now as they're going through drills. But one thing we have noticed is that it just looks more disciplined and like they understand where they're going with each drill and what the purpose is. And at a place where you're already losing time from getting to practice, not having that facility where the meeting rooms are, they're currently still in the stadium before that standalone facility gets finished here in a a few months to uh, whenever it gets open until they get that Florida's already losing time in a sense. So they have to maximize on all these possibilities to go out there and take advantage of those windows. And, And from what we've seen, the structure is really helping in that regard. Yeah, and when you talk to some of the players, they say it's very different from the last staff. And now you've you've been through, like you said, Will Muschamp, Jim McElwain, um, you know, Dan Mullen. You've been through four head coaches. So has has this really changed? Like, have you really noticed a difference when you go out there and you just you know you go to report on the beat? 
Yeah, I was skeptical at first. I mean, let's be honest. I think a lot of people were guilty, especially after the first two years of both Jim McElwain and even early into Will Muschamp's tenure when the recruiting was there in 2012, 2013. And then with Dan Mullen, the first two years, there were people proclaiming all of those guys as, hey, this is a great head coach. Florida made a splash hire. Look at them winning the SEC East. Look at them. You know, people wanted to believe for so long. Yeah. So I wanted to go into this spring thinking, let's be a little more hesitant. Mm-hmm. Let's see how it all plays out. I don't want to come in here and be like, oh, Billy Napier has fixed everything in just four months, guys, and then be the one who gets called a liar or as if I – and carrying water for the program. That, that's something you hear all the time saying, oh, you're carrying water for the program to keep your access. Well, well, you know, it's not that cut and dry. Sometimes you see the optimism unfolding. You see players rejuvenated. You see coaches eager to work there. You don't see someone who looks checked out and tired as if they're going through it day after day. And you believe, oh, wow, this is tangible evidence of change. So I didn't want to be that guy going into this spring. Right. But what I have noticed just from trying to remember what drills looked like under previous regimes, it just does look more structured. It does look like it's easier to comprehend. And that's not, some people take that the wrong way and be like, well, are you calling players dumb or as if it's too complicated for them? Sometimes it's not like that. It's just things have to be communicated, I think, in a different way. Some people are visual learners. Some people take a while to understand the purpose in something. So identifying the people who aren't necessarily getting it right away and not making them feel as if they are in the wrong, I think is a huge part of coaching. Because, I mean, let's let's think about it. When we were all 18 to 22, we never wanted to – admit that there was something we didn't know right? that we were not getting something while other peers in the room were sitting there and being like, Oh, David, that makes sense. Of course you never want to speak up in those instances. So, and I think that we can all agree that coaching has been in the past kind of around the mantra of don't show any weakness. Right. And, and that can, go into the film room, of course, where you are going in there and you're seeing guys that won't speak up because, and they act sit there and nod their head and act like they get it because they're afraid of being labeled, oh, he's behind. He is a slow learner. We're going to have to spend extra care with guys like that. And, and breaking down that there's nothing inherently wrong with taking longer to get on board with something or process information, I think is part of the progressions you're seeing as coaches. And that's why I think a lot of people are, are often advocating for maybe the cerebral player rather than the star player to become coaches down the line, coaches who have been through the process, sat in the film room and seen personally how long it takes some guys to get there. I think that that's a huge thing. And Billy Napier has, I think, been incredibly honest with 
this team and saying, hey, listen, there's a lot we have to do. You heard that in week one, and you didn't see anyone take it the wrong way, right? You didn't see anyone come out there and say, oh, man, he's saying there's a lot of work cut out for us. I mean, that's not good. Identifying and being honest with it, I think, has been one of the biggest steps because players can notice when – they're just being told, hey, hey, this is, this is good, this is good, and they really kind of are doubting that. They'd rather be said, hey, we have work here to do, but I'm being upfront and honest with you in that regard. And I think that that change in, I guess you call it a, a philosophy with talking to players, I think has really accelerated the process of let's cut out a lot of this crap and actually do the work and and speak up when we don't get something so we actually can put the work in rather than, you know, I guess faking it till you make it is, is a good way to put it. Yeah. And, and it's funny you brought that up because I had Lloyd Summerall on last week and he talked about, you know, I would rather have a coach tell me what I'm doing wrong rather than tell me what I'm doing right. That way I can improve my game. And, you know, we talked about constructive criticism and all of that. And, and really that's what these players need. I think, I think that's been missing a lot because even with even with Jim McElwain, uh, you had Jim McElwain and Dan Mullen. They would always praise the kids saying, oh, they're doing everything great. The offense is going to look awesome. The defense is going to be great. And really, you know, th- it's not even a fact of not telling the kids what they're doing well. It's more of, you know, trying to just be honest and upfront. And I think that's what you get with Billy Napier. He's more open. He's more honest. And he's not going to beat around the bush. And that's kind of what I like, the raw mentality of Billy Napier's, uh, you know, personality. He, he's not going to beat around the bush. He's just going to be honest, and he's going to tell you like it is. And, you know, we've seen some players transfer out. Now, I don't know what the reasons were, and I'm not going to assume that because, you know, everybody has different reasons why they transfer. But, you know, sometimes a head coach that doesn't relate to some of the kids, they do transfer now because of the transfer portal. And then some of the kids will stick around, and sometimes maybe even during spring practice, you know, if they don't get that starting job or, or they're they're not happy, they may hop into the portal then. And you heard Billy Napier say they're going to hit the portal hard this spring. I mean, you know, he was very upfront and honest. I mean, if you look at tight end, which I'll, I'll ask you about here in a second, we've had a lot of injuries at tight end right now. I mean, you know, with uh, Nick Elksness out with his shoulder injury, Jonathan Odom having a torn labrum, and then – this question I really wanted to ask you because it really, you know, it's 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 really sucks to see a kid, you know, go out of injury in their career, no matter what team that they play for. Uh, Gage Wilcox, uh, he suffered a career-ending injury in practice. Do you have any updates on Gage Wilcox? Is he okay, or is it, you know, is anything going on with that? Yeah, I. I... That's a good question. I, I want to share what I do know. No, just not in detail. Uh, just is he okay? Yeah. He okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think he's been dealing with his injury um, with some difficulty. Let's say that. Yeah. And can be a little bit frustrating, I think, when you get injured like he did. I do got to say, and I, I don't mean to question Billy Napier, and maybe I don't know everything. There, there is absolutely that possibility. For to come out there and say it was a career-ending injury, I, I was surprised, in a sense, based on just what I've heard. Um, I, I, I don't know if Gage Wilcox's football career is over. I hope that he can resume it. Let me say that. Right. Incredibly talented player to be at this level. 
to obviously suffer the injury he did. He has to be incredibly frustrated, and I can't imagine what he's going through. Obviously very important in these situations to remember the people behind the diagnosis and the position and where they stand, of course. And I'm not saying that anyone's not. Right. But recovery is not a linear process. I think a lot of people will agree with that, that when you suffer an injury, a lot of people aren't instantly ready to attack their recovery. I think that it all affects people differently mentally. And I'm not saying anything shocking. Some people get angry. Some people get depressed. It's going to come for everyone differently. And what I was just saying a couple of minutes ago about identifying what someone's going through and, and what they're dealing with, I think is a huge process. And, and a lot of people are probably still figuring it out between player and coach. Right. If, if Gage Wilcox's career really is over, incredibly sad, and, and I wish him all the best. Um, I, I just, I don't know if it's career ending injury. I was, just, I was surprised that, that Billy said it was so final in a sense. Mm-hmm. He will have to take significant time away from football activities, but I, I hope that he can get back to wanting to play the game that he loves. If that's a possibility for him in his near future, because, um, it could be still. Yeah, that's really basically all I all I wanted to know is if he was okay, which is fine. I mean, we obviously nobody needs to know details or anything else like that. But you just hate to hear that. You hate to hear a kid. You know, if it is a career-ending injury, as he says, you hate to hear it from any university. You don't like to see that. I mean, go back and look at you know the injury Nick Chubb had. We thought he wasn't going to play football again at the ten- in Tennessee, and he came back, and now he's in the NFL. He's playing NFL football. Um, you go back to look at that Marcus Lattimore injury, you know, obviously. And bring up Malik Davis, you know. Yeah. He had an injury that people at the time described similar to Marshawn Lattimore. And I'm, excuse me, Latt- I, I know it's Marcus Marcus Lattimore, right? Yeah. I always, I always mess it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> you always think that a, an injury like that, oh, when you hear the timeline, oh, a year away from football. Let's remember, I, I, I think that, you know, you've heard Buddy Martin call me an old head. 30 years ago, some guys suffer an, an elbow injury like Dan Marino had in the early 90s. Um, and I hope I don't have my ears wrong. But he was out of football for more than a year. Yeah. Nearly two years. Um, you, know, you know, Montana, same thing, in a sense. The injury timeline is getting shorter. and Recovery timeline is getting shorter and shorter. We have the Bayer Bridge implant that is coming down the line right now that is going to make ACL recoveries six months. People saw, yeah, everyone should look that up, the Bayer Bridge implant. It was just successfully performed in December uh, in New York, and it's coming for athletes whose athletic window dwindles with age. You could short-term recovery at potentially, we don't know the long-term but short term, when that is your money, people time and time again will choose a shorter recovery timeline. Yep. That's coming with the ACL. You saw Cam Akers, what he just did in July. Yep. From returning from that, that was a year at least for a lot of people until recently. And all I'm saying is that with the advancements in science, you are going to see people come back from stuff quicker that we normally would have said would keep them off the field entirely. So I think that it's important to keep that in perspective 
when you think optimistically about injury recovery. Now that's not, I'm not talking about Gage Wilcox here, but when we talk about one of the benefits of playing right now, you absolutely have less career ending injuries right now than you did 30 years ago because of the advancements in science. And I think that's just a a magnificent thing to keep in mind when you think about when someone gets injured, it could have been much worse 30 years ago is all I'm saying. Just what we know now about head injuries and I mean, even heat exhaustion, just the game has changed right now. So I think that a lot of players can take solace in the fact that they are not only protected better right now in 2022, but they have a better chance of recovering and returning to the sport that they love quicker and at a higher rate than they did three decades ago. Right. Uh, well, prayers out the Gage Wilcox, like I said, and, and, you know, it's the technology now is just insane. I remember if you tore an ACL, you were out for well over a year. Now it's, <laughs> it's a six month process. It seems like now, and it's just, it's amazing. And I'm wondering like in the future with injuries and, and things like that, if they'll be able to even recover even faster than that with the advancements in technology. I mean, you go back to what, uh, Anthony Richardson's uh, meniscus, uh, you know, he had that surgery, you know, he, he missed the UCF game, but now he's, 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 he's limited in some of the practices, but now he's out there practicing, throwing the football, uh, doing all sorts of things. So it's, it's, it's amazing how fast, like, especially when you're younger, how fast you can recover from an injury and just the advancements in technology now of, of how these, these kids can recover so fast and be back out there on the football field. It's really amazing to see when you look at some of the gruesome injuries that we've saw and then the, the, they come back to football, they may not have the same speed like Nick Chubb did, but if you look, he was out for a year. He wasn't the same, but then the next year he was back to his old form. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And, uh, Speaking of tight end, it was the big news out of spring practice. It was the main focus. Uh, you know, we're out a lot of tight ends. I know Billy Napier said in his press conference that Noah Keeter and uh, I guess it's Deontay Zanders. Zanders is how you say it. Noah Keeter and Deontay Zanders uh, filling up a huge void there. Uh, did have some praise there. Uh, first off, you know, he said Zanders. He said a couple of those other guys looked pretty good. He had high praise for Zanders. Um, how's he looking out there in practice? Yeah, I think everyone remembers Dante Zanders when he went by Dante Lang, a guy who's been in the program for five plus years now. You got to remember that out of Boca, he played, yeah, right. He played both tight end and and defensive line when he was in Boca and comes to Gainesville, initially plays at tight end due to some depth issues there and then gets moved to defensive end. You you really see him play kind of a, a backup role over the last two seasons in, in 23 games at defensive end. I mean, he wasn't a, a massive contributor off the edge, but he gave Florida some depth there. And now moving back to tight end once again, I mean, just his malleability, they all, they say all the time, David, availability is the best ability. And I think that's really the, the case with Dante. I mean, a guy who can fill in, whether you have a void, a defensive line and give you a practice body, and filling at tight end, and clearly he doesn't think of himself as, as just a practice body at the tight end position. Billy Napier said that what he is able to do, understanding the scheme, his hands, his, his route running ability, I mean, he's a great blocker, obviously, just because he's used to using his hands on the line of scrimmage. I think that this is a guy that I, I could see contributing this season, and especially if Florida doesn't have someone step up at the position with – 
Nick and Jonathan being out into fall, if not possibly longer, again, never know how things are going to heal. You would think that Keon Zipper would be the starting, you know, the incumbent basically in a sense to win that job, but we haven't heard too much about him until Saturday. I I heard that he was good Saturday. He caught a couple of passes downfield, looked good. You know, a little bit of an undersized guy in the tight end position. It's important to remember that he was rated as the number one H back, kind of a rare designation these days by ESPN coming out of high school, coming out of Lakeland. So this is a guy that has worked significantly behind the scenes to become your more prototypical tight end, but clearly still has some work to do. It is from what I've heard, picking up the scheme now at a much quicker rate than he was earlier into camp. What I was saying earlier about guys just learning things at different speeds, especially when they've been in multiple offenses, I think is important to keep that in mind that just because someone is not wowing people in the first two weeks doesn't mean they're not doing things behind the scenes off of the field that are putting them in position to make those plays on the field. And I think that Keon Zipper is a good example of that. I think that you are going to see him have a role in this offense, what he can also do out of the backfield. I think that if you can get him in the open field with a a linebacker on him, you are going to have a mismatch. And I think that Billy Napier and his staff are working right now how to figure out best to use him. Because important to remember, they, they didn't have him four months ago. It's going to be a process for the coaching staff. It's not just a plug and play type thing. They're going to have to figure out how to best get Keon Zipper to be in a position of success. Right. And that that position just particularly got interesting just because of all the injuries now. So now you've got Keon Zipper, Xanders, and, you know, Billy Napier did say they'll hit the portal heavy this spring. I'm assuming they're going to go into the portal for a tight end, maybe a a one-year tight end or something of of some sort like that. Um, Elksness injury doesn't look as bad as Jonathan Odom's. I think Elksness probably could have – I've heard that he may be ready by fall, Elksness. Is that correct? Yeah, I think three, four months maybe is, is what they're hearing. I mean, you're talking about a, a broken scapula. Yeah. I don't know, honestly, how, how bad that is, but you, you hear broken and you think at least three months. In my mind, I, I think that he will be back in time by fall camp, but missing out on summer workouts, obviously missing out on the second half of spring when you are doing more application of what you've learned he's just going to be working his way back into football shape in a couple of aspects by fall camp. So the deck is really stacked against him. I I think that we've seen freshmen come in here and dazzle, you know, this better than anyone. Napier made sure to mention that Florida signed three tight ends in the signing class. You don't see that very often. Uh, Andrew seven, I'm going to butcher his name. Savania. Uh, yeah. played defensive end and tight end, kind of like Dante did um, out there in Washington. Hayden Hansen out of Texas, someone that Billy Napier was extremely complimentary of, that huge wingspan and frame. They are really high on him, and he's been working out behind the scenes, obviously, to, to be in shape when he arrives on campus so he can be fully healthy in fall. And then Arliss Boardingham, the last member of this class, you know, another guy with a massive, massive wingspan that this, offense could really find a way 
to create mismatches in the open field with him too, just based on his speed, a former track guy, and that wingspan. You know, his dad was a track star. Um, I think maybe his mom was too. Those guys may be carrying the load, in a sense, behind Keon Zipperer, behind Dante. And then I got to give a shout-out to the Gainesville guy in Noah Keeter, a guy who transferred here from UCLA, was initially – I think he's one of the guys who's going to be put on scholarship. That would just make a ton of sense. You heard Billy Napier say yesterday that they're going to put five walk-ons who are going to be put on scholarship. I think Noah Keeter is an an obvious candidate for that just based on his ability to work on special teams and, and, and in defense, if they need him, you know, being a, a former edge rusher there. So very interesting. And now he's working at tight end. So, and caught, caught some passes recently here. Yeah. I think Billy Napier was referring, maybe he was referring to him when he was talking about long snappers. So I think Noah Keeter is an obvious candidate a guy who played at Buholtz high school to be put on scholarship after this spring. So tight end is going to be extremely interesting for Florida. If they want to use it at the rate that Billy Napier used at in Louisiana, they're going to either have to have some freshmen step up or like you said, they're going to maybe have to hit the portal. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, man. And I know tight end was the main position and, you know, I really wanted to rock that out this podcast and here with you. I know you're strapped for time and you're short for time here. Um, can you go over any other positions uh, that some of the guys that have standed out recently in practice real quick? Yeah, I'm going to go with wide receiver. You know, I, I hear that they have performed better than a lot of people have thought that they would just considering the numbers. Marcus Burke, you know, I think a guy that's that's someone a lot of people are counting on to step into a role. Trent Whittemore has looked good in coming back from injury. He has not lost a step. His footwork has improved. I think that's a guy that you could easily see lining up in the slot for Florida. Dejon Reynolds, that's an interesting one as well. Um, Offensive line is one that I am very curious about once again before I run out of here. I got to say, I think a lot of people were expecting Josh Braun to take a leap here this this spring. That's one you got to watch, if you ask me. I've heard from some people in the know that, that he has some work to do to become the guy that I think a lot of Florida fans want him to be Yeah. right now, the guys who are shining right now, Kingsley, Eguacon, um, obviously Osiris Torrance. I, I've heard good things about Cameron Waits, obviously outside of just a physical standpoint, Richie Leonard, another one as well, obviously Richard garage, but Josh Braun is got a little bit of work to do. And I, I'm not trying to concern any Florida fans, but in this day and age, you know, it's always worth, watching it's because you, you need as many capable offensive linemen as possible and you just um you, you want that guy to be as successful as possible and with two offensive line coaches uh he absolutely has a chance to do it so it's something to monitor for sure yeah kingsley Egocon, you speak of him i when i ran the numbers uh I, I do pro football focus a lot when i ran the numbers on him um i ran the numbers on guys that have had over 200 snaps at least on offensive line and he had the best numbers out of a lot of those offensive linemen that had over 200 snaps so yeah I mean I I think offensive line is going to be a lot better than what people think that's in my opinion defensive tackle and defensive line uh, well we'll it's I would say we got talent but we need to stay healthy on the defensive line right now yeah absolutely in the interior as well I mean you're talking about guys Jalen Humphreys Jalen Lee winner those guys are going to be called upon sooner than later and they don't have a huge body of work underneath them right now. 
Javon Dexter carrying the load for that unit. I've heard great things about Dewan Black. I mean, just his size in passing lanes is just going to be – he's going to wreak havoc for opposing teams' offense offensively this season. But the interior of the defensive line certainly one to watch. You've seen that Florida filled in the gaps over recent years with the transfer portal. The Jalens are going to have to step up as well with with Zach Carter being gone and, and no Antonio Valentino, no Daquan Newkirk, no Tyrone Truesdell. They're going to have to find someone who can who can step up in there. Um, Lamar Goods has been dealing with an injury this spring. He needs to continue to work himself into ideal playing shape too. Desmond Watson could be a guy that you see just based on not just his talent level, but a sheer number standpoint that, that plays a lot this season in the interior of Florida's defense. Right, correct. And uh, real quick, running back. Who's stayed out running back real quick? That's my favorite. Montreal Johnson has looked, has looked really good. You know, that's a guy that I think right now, I was saying this earlier, through two weeks, a lot of this is just picking up on instructions, knowing what coaches mean. And so you think that guys like Osiris and Montrell are going to have a heads up on the competition right. here, really. So in terms of that phase, I think you can understandably see why they'd be leading the pack, Montrell. But Demarcus Bowman, they obviously realize what a weapon he can be. You're, you're seeing it. He's made several standout plays, not just in practice, but in the scrimmage on Thursday as well. I would not be shocked if this is a guy that gets the majority of the carries this season. But again, it's definitely going to be a by committee approach. You, you know, Jaluk has done that before when he had Darius Geis and Leonard Fournette and Daryl Williams all in the same backfield. So it's going to be a by committee approach, but it's encouraging to know that right now Florida is at least too deep at running back before getting their third capable running back back in Naquan Wright, who has just had to stay involved through the film room, can't practice, but is right there competing in his own way, the only way that he can for Florida to have a, another trio of backs. And, of course, there's some guys behind him. Lorenzo Lingard can't rule him out, you know, a guy with a lot of experience. I could see him stepping up. And and then uh, the uh, Etienne kid, um, he clearly could, could make an impact as a freshman because look at what Montreal just did. Louisiana, you can't rule out any freshman if they are the most talented back in the room. So Florida, once again, has a, a stable of running backs. That's it, yeah. Running back, a very talented position and a good problem to have right now as far as talent-wise goes. All right, Graham, thank you for joining me. I know you, you've got to go. You've got other things you've got to cover. Uh, thank you for joining me on short notice, I'll, by the way. And uh, I love your uh, lovely locks of hair there, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate <laughs> it. Got to rock it while you got it, you know? Future head and shoulders my prospect. Pleasure. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I got to get some of these NIL deals, you know, <laughs> mane and tail or something like that, you know. Appreciate Absolutely. you, man. We're going to have to do this again here pretty soon when we're uh, we're all a little bit less busy and we're in the off season and we trying to find some good stuff to talk about. That, that is correct. All right, Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun, man. Thank you for joining me here on Getting Swap. My pleasure, man. All right, that was Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun. A little strapped for time. He, you know, he had to head back out there to some of these practices and cover them for us, as he does. And, you know, they're still going on today. And, and another thing, man, Graham, he, he might be looking for some NIL deals out there, guys, if with the new hairdo he's rocking. So any of you head and shoulders guys, you know, you, you know, may, may be a deal coming up for him in the books for Graham Hall. It worked for Troy Palomalu in the NFL, just saying. I mean, <laughs> anyway... 
Billy Napier and some other members of the staff took to the media this week, and we will recap that on the second part of Getting Swamped coming up. Need a sign for your company, your man cave, your live stream or podcast? Give my guy Brandon White a shout out at White & Sons Wood Carving. He has the best handcrafted signs nationally, all custom fit for your needs. With state-of-the-art paint and epoxy, you can have that glow of your sign too with some custom LEDs as a package as well. Give him a shout out on Twitter at WS Wood Carving. You can also follow him on Twitch and check out his Facebook page at White & Sons Wood Carving. Top of the line signs made from scratch. College programs must be competitive in name, image, and likeness. It impacts current athletes and affects the decisions of recruits. And Gator fans can put Florida at the forefront of NIL. The Gator Collective is leading the charge, uniting fans and student-athletes like never before. Commit for exclusive content, interactions, and events which bring you closer than ever to your favorite players. Also, by joining the Gator Collective, you're empowering these student-athletes to build relationships and develop skills that go far beyond just making money. You're providing an avenue for these Gators to excel in life. NIL will change the landscape of college sports if we can't be left behind. Gator Nation, do your part by joining the Gator Collective today at www.thegatorcollective.com. You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast with your host, David Soderquist. Your number one source for all things college football and Florida Gators. Uh, good day today. You know, I was proud of the effort that I saw. I mean, as we've discussed many times before, I think the execution has got to improve. We got out of here relatively healthy today, which is a positive. Uh, and there's a lot of bright spots. There's also a lot of opportunities to teach. Um, but we'll get better as a result of today's scrimmage. It's our first one. Um, very impressed um, with the overall organization. Um, and in general, the, the players' approach. So, good day for Florida. And uh, it's still a lot of work to do, but a lot of football we can teach from today. Can you walk us through the situation at tight end and maybe how that's impacting what you want to be able to do offensively? Yeah, we're thin. Um, you know, obviously, when you have three guys get injured, you know, at scholarship players at a position, it's already a little bit of thin that throws a little wrench in your plans but I would say this um, Dante Xanders right Dante Xanders has moved from defensive line to tight end and has really done well and there's no question in my mind that he not only is going to be able to play but I think the guy can do it do his job right so he he has been um, a godsend to some degree relative to his ability he's really bright he's picked it up quickly I mean he's able to go out there and execute um, so you know, we're thin there. We, we, a long snapper caught a pass today, okay, and Big Griff caught a pass today, okay, if that gives you an ind indication. So, you know, we got a defensive ta two defensive tackles that are over there. We got a long snapper that's taking reps. So that's an area on our team where uh, we anticipated potential depth issues. We signed three. Uh, you know, we also had injuries, so we're thin. You know, like I mentioned before, right, you, you, every team's got its problems. You do your best with it. No complaining. Um, you know, I think just make the best of the situation. So, you know, there's lots of answers to that problem, right, and uh, we'll keep working. You heard it, man. Dante Zanders 
from uh, defensive line to tight end, and also Noah Keeter taking some uh, some snaps there as well. But, you know, you, you heard him said he's done really well. You know, the, he thinks he can do the job. He said he was a godsend. Uh, you know, Bright picked it up quickly. Uh, you, you know, even saying the long snapper was having to catch passes. So, kind of, uh, I wouldn't say that we're in trouble at tight end because we really don't know what's going to happen. But as far as overall depth-wise... Yeah, it, it's a little sketchy there. Nick Elksness, you know, if he can heal properly the way that he can and possibly get into some of these fall practices coming up, maybe that can shore up a little bit of the uh, attrition there on the tight end spot. So, I mean, lots of praise there, though, for, for Dante Zanders, formerly Dante Lang, and, and hopefully that's a bright spot here at the tight end position. And we really can't afford an injury, as Grandma and I talked about just earlier, but Napier also did allude to this as well. University of Florida, you can anticipate us being very aggressive in the portal this spring. Uh, we need players. And, um, you know, I think the approach is going to be, um, you know, acquire as many good players as we can at any position, right? So, um, you know, we, we're thin and, and we need help in a lot of different spots. So, um, you know, I think we have, we're approaching double digits, if that makes sense. Okay, so... Um, you know, I think it's it's fortunate that we have that opportunity, right? It's something I'm very thankful for, you know. Uh, I can't imagine not having that opportunity at this point. So, you know, that, that window of time is coming. Um, we anticipate doing a lot of business, and uh, we're looking forward to it. You heard it there first. Billy Napier said they're going to be very aggressive in the portal and acquire as many good players as they can. And if you're looking at tight end right now, um, transfer portal wise, the only good tight end in there, if you want to count star rating from high school, is Baylor Cup. He just entered the portal a couple days ago. He has uh, two years of eligibility left. He's from Texas A&M. He was the number one tight end in the 2019 class. But other than that, you go down the list. You know, you got Larry Hodges, low three star guy. Uh, just by a star rating, you know, Baylor Cup is the only good tight end in that transfer portal with two years of eligibility. So. I'm wondering if Billy Napier and staff is going to jump on that real quick or kind of wait and see what happens after spring practices when a lot of these kids go into the portal. I'm not sure. But right now, tight end, you need what you can get right now. And uh, I, I rest assured Billy Napier and staff are probably looking at that transfer portal right there at Baylor Cup. And we'll see what happens, man. Um, curious to see whether they try to take him or another tight end here. But, yeah, very thin. But a, a position that... Florida's not really that thin at in a position that I'm intrigued by this year, running back. You know, I think that room is uh, getting more comfortable with the system. Um, I think we've seen more consistent play. You know, running back is a position where I think everybody thinks, okay, hey, just toss the guy the ball, you know, and let him run. But in reality, there's a lot that goes with that position. You know, footwork, eye discipline, uh, a number of different protections that you're involved in, a, a route tree at that position. Uh, so we're fortunate in that we, I think we have one of the best running back coaches in the entire country in Jabbar Jaluk. Um, you know, his room has consistently produced, and I see this room getting better, right? So, um, you know, I'm hopeful that that room can play winning football. We're a long way from it. Um, but in general, uh, I see them getting better. Some praise there from Billy Napier about Jabbar Jaluk, one of the best running back coaches in the country, he says. But he does say 
there's more consistent play. He sees them getting better. Something you like to hear, especially when you've got a stacked room at running back full of five-star and high four-star talent. Um, you know, with challenges comes opportunity, right? You can sit around and complain about these things, but to me, um, you know, I see opportunity, and that's, that's the approach that we're going to take. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think it's going to affect the spring game. As long as we're able to stay relatively healthy at some of these positions I'm talking about, we'll be able to play, you know, our traditional spring game format. So, you know, we got a lot of work to do. Heck, I didn't even thought about the spring game, to be honest with you. But I do, you know, I do think, uh, you know, we, we certainly are appreciative of any and every supporter that shows up, right? I mean, I think it's free. Uh, any and every person that cares about the University of Florida and Florida football can come watch. We're certainly going to work hard to get our student body to show up. Um, and all Gators, you know, that can get here, you know, we'll be very thankful. We're going to try to create a, a really special environment. Um, you know, it'll be the first chance for this um, staff and team, not only the 2022 team, but this, this era in Florida football will be our first chance to showcase some of that. So I know we're working hard to get ready for that opportunity, and I think that's where our focus is right now. This is the University of Florida, right? There, there are no excuses here. I think that the, the experience of the player is the most important thing, right? We're trying to create life-changing impact as an organization, right? The person, the student, and the football player. Um, these guys work extremely hard, right? I mean, I don't think people can comprehend the amount of time and effort and energy that they put into their role and how they represent this place, right? So, you know, they're working hard as individuals, but they represent something bigger than just themselves. So some really good nuggets here towards the end of his presser and uh, spring game. April 14th. I know some of you can't come because of the date change. Unfortunately, that, that kind of stinks because I was looking forward to seeing some of you guys down there. But fortunately, I can still go. So if, if you can show up, show up. Hey, hey shoot, you can even uh, throw me a handshake. Just don't throw a rock at my head, man. I, I, I don't like that. It's It, it hurts. But uh, show up, man. It's, it's not about me anyway. It's about supporting these Gators. So support these guys, man. Uh, you know, Billy Napier said these kids work extremely hard, and they do. And I, I, I don't think that... A lot of people know how hard these kids work, you know, uh, juggling school and football from a mental standpoint, going to practice, um, you know, staying out of trouble at a young age. That's really hard to do, too. I mean, shoot, you can you can ask me that story one day, you know, working out, maintaining physique, getting bigger or losing weight in the process, too. You know, waking up early for team meetings. I mean, some kids have to go to work and work part time jobs, too, on top of that. But. That's where the Gator Collective has helped uh, shore some things up from that standpoint. The kids, you know, keep them away from having to work part-time and can earn money through the collective. So, uh, you know, that's where NIL comes into play. And I really hope all you guys go out there and you support these Gators. And I think a lot of folks don't realize, like I said, what the student-athlete does go through on a consistent basis. So if you can show up, be loud, support the Gators April 14th. And if you can't, that's okay, too. Turn on the television and support the Gators that way as well. So... Assistant coach Mike Peterson also took to the media and had some pretty pretty good things to say about Billy Napier. How did this opportunity come about with Coach Napier and just you guys getting on the uh, on the phone and, and talking about coming back here? Yeah, it was a real simple process. You know, um, I think last year when when everything went down, you know, I was I kind of seen it seen it happen. I, I can't you know I can't lie about that. I seen it happen, and then you know the thing of 
you know, the, the crazy part about it, you know, I had I had a great relationship with my guys up there. I, you know, I had made a lot of friends up there, so it's kind of one of those those moments where I hope I get a call, but if I do, it's going to be really, really hard because it's going to be hard for me to say no. Um, you know, so it was, you know, it, it happened quick. You know, he called and we, you know, the, we both knew, we had mutual friends, um, I, and I, I did my homework on him, and I'm sure, pretty sure he did his homework on me, and um, it was an easy, simple process, man. This is home, man, so... It was. It wasn't too much, you know. The other, the other place could say or do to keep me there. You know, this is home. What did your homework tell you about him? Oh man, great guy. First of all, great guy. Um, great family man. Um, very, very detailed. Um, had a plan. Um, you know, everything was was positive. Um, it it kind of reminded me of myself on how detailed he was and the note taking. I actually a funny story. I came here for practice and I seen he had a notepad and he was writing down everything. You know, I. I kind of do that a lot myself, and I thought I was always a little weird. But to, to see him doing it, I said, okay, well, maybe I'm not so weird for writing everything down. But uh, everything I heard about him was great, man. And it was in line with, with you know, the things I heard and I got here, and, and it's, been, it's been great working for him. So, once again, really high praise for Billy Napier, especially not even just coming from a player, coming from a coach, you know, talking about Billy Napier, getting that phone call and, uh, you know, kind of having the similarities that Billy Napier does. Very structured, detailed. Uh, you hear that from everybody across the board. You know, he also gives his comments on something I just got done talking about just a second ago in IL. I, I think, in a, you know, in a, in a way, uh, I'm kind of, 50-50 on it right now. You know, I, I definitely agree with the players do need to get paid. I, I think, it, you know, moving forward, it need to be some type of system set up for them to get paid. I don't know, you know, this is just me just talking out loud. I don't know if it's something, set up something, you know, once they get their degree or, you know, you, you go four years in school or something, you can put it in a, a trust fund or something. I don't know, but I'm all for the players getting paid. I, I just, I don't want it to affect the game. Um, and, and that's the thing that I fear now, that it may affect the game. Um, guys choosing schools for the wrong reason. Um, guys forgetting, you know, why they play the game. Um, you know, I, I, you, you take me and you take a lot of the younger guys, I mean, a lot of the older guys, you know, you, you get into this game because you love it. You, you grow up playing it. You played it as a kid. It's a love, you know. And, of course, one day you want to do it for a living and, and, and you should get paid for it. But I don't, I don't want that to get in the way of um, – I don't want the money to get in the way of the love of the game. All right. Very interesting opinion there from Mike Peterson. I mean, it, it seems like he's all for it for the most part, uh, but he, he makes a great point. Uh, never lose the love of the game. Also, he brings up a good point. Guys choosing schools for the wrong reason, forgetting about the game. Uh, just some concerns from Coach Peterson. And, and I think a lot of folks out there had the concern going into it as well. But, I mean, he did say players should get paid uh, because schools in the past benefit from, you know, they benefit from merchandise sales, ticket sales, and such. Uh, players should be compensated. I mean, back then when you bought a jersey for your favorite player, this School made all the money. The, the player didn't even do anything, and his on-field play affected those merchandise sales. So, and uh, you know, looking from my experience, you know, getting to know some of these players at Florida, interviewing a lot of them and getting to know them, I honestly can't see where any kind of compensation has affected them in a bad way. So right now, I mean, it seems like everything's fine. Uh, a lot of these players are still humbled and still to this day, and in their dreams to go to the NFL one day, and that dream never leaves the football player, man. I think... Any D1 athlete that I've ever interviewed 
you know, in my career doing anything, they their ultimate dream is to go to the NFL no matter what. NIL money or not, they want to go to the NFL and they want to make it there. And that's the ultimate goal. And with the right staff in place, like the staff that we do have here at the University of Florida, they help them grow up and help them learn, help them be responsible with whatever earnings they make off NIL and be a team player. So which, I mean, it doesn't seem to be a concern here at the University of Florida, if you ask me. Mike Peterson also talks about Brenton Cox and a few other guys here. What do you think about Brenton Cox getting him back this year? How much of a discussion did you have with him about coming back? And what do you think about getting a coach him? Um, I'm excited. Um, you know, he, you know, actually not just Britain, but um, all my guys. You know, the first thing I did, I wanted, I actually I did it when I first got here is that, you know, I wanted to get all the contacts of my guys. I got all those guys. I reached out to them and I actually took them out and, and I wanted to, you know, introduce myself and kind of, you know, build that relationship. And, and Britain was the, you know, he was one of the first ones that came up to, to the meeting room. We sided and we talked for a while. You know, I wanted, I wanted him to, to get to know me, and I wanted to get him to know him as well. You know, I've been watching him for a while. I actually recruited him when he was coming out, so I was familiar with him. Um, so I'm excited um, to get out there on the field and, and you know, and let him do his thing. What's the key for him to take his game to the next level this year? Uh, right now, we're just we're just working on. You know, he, he has all the skills. You know, he can. He, this guy's strong. He's powerful. He can run. He can rush the passer. You know, right now, my thing, my thing is to kind of, you know, polish his game. Help him learn the game. You know, it's so many things that goes into football. You know, everybody thinks you get out there and I just run around and make plays. And always so many, it's so many things. You know, you you can talk about you know taking care of your body um, away from football. You know, um, you know building his brand up. You know, um, you know what do you want to be after football? You know, so I'm, I'm not. You know, I don't I don't come in and say uh, I'm Coach Peterson. Now I, I play a lot of roles for them guys, and I think. A lot of guys seems to be flashing a lot. Yep. In a little bit, do we see? What do you expect from him? He seems to have a role to find the ball. These guys, the ball hawk, man. He, he finds the ball. He's 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 surprisingly he's a lot taller than I thought just watching him on tape. But um, he's he's a long kid. He's he's very athletic, and, and and you know I've been impressed with him, and hope he's just continue to do what he do. There you go, Mike Peterson saying Brenton Cox has all the tools, and all he's doing is helping him polish his game. And look. Brenton Cox accounted for 8.5 sacks last year on a bad foot. I personally think he's in for a huge year this year if he can stay healthy. And and, and I don't mean by, you know, is his foot healed? His foot's healed. I'm just talking about hopefully no injury bug comes around and he can play the whole year. I personally think he's going to go way past 8.5 sacks. If you gave me the over and under on it, I would go over 8.5 sacks for Brenton Cox. That's how confident I feel about Brenton Cox coming into this year. He also talks about Dewan Black, another highly touted recruit who had to go the JUCO route to make it in here at the University of Florida. He, you know, he's had a journey, man. Uh, he's a very big fan favorite. A lot of fans clamored for him to come to the University of Florida. Unfortunately, he didn't make it in. Had to go JUCO. Finally, gets his turn. Finally, made it here, and now you know, definitely a fan favorite. So you know, I'm so proud of Dewan Black. You know, finally able to kind of get those first and second team reps there. And I'm curious to see how he is. And, you know, you heard him say, you know, he's a ball hawk, you know, very long kid, very athletic. So, yeah, I mean, really curious to see how DeWan Black makes it into the fold here this year for the Florida Gators football team. So, speaking of Brent Cox, though, he also had a few things to say this week as well. First, what went into your decision to come back? Um, I just felt like I had more to do. Um, last year was tough for me because of my foot. So I just felt like I had more in the tank and more to prove. And I'm going to um, try to beat the sack record this year, 13. So. Did you put in like, draft paperwork? I know underclassmen can do that. 
So did I put in did the draft? Did you put in like draft paperwork just so that you can get like a grade from the draft? Is that still a thing? Oh uh, yeah, I did. They gave me a third round grade, I think, third fourth round grade. But you know, I felt like I was better. I felt like I can do more, so I decided to come back. Did you ever 100 on the foot last year? No, not at all. I mean, I tried to play like it, but that wasn't the case. <clears throat> Where are, you, where are you at now? you have time to kind of rest it and, and rehab and do stuff? Oh, I'm doing much better. Much better um, with movements and just coming off the edge. You know, it feels better. But, yeah, I'm better than last year. A lot better. Those injuries are impossible. It takes so long, right? Yes. You're always on your feet. Especially the position I play. I'm always coming off the edge. So, you know, the bigger you get, the harder it gets for it to heal. So, you know, it's just taking care of it, you know, staying off of it, being smart, really, um, knowing what you can and can't do. So the sack record's in your sights. What uh, What's it going to take from you to do? I mean, you feel like if you just play to your potential, that, that should come? Yeah, right now, you know, I'm going for a sack, a sack every half. So, you know, if I do that, you know, I'm going to pass those numbers. But, you know, right now I'm just trying to beat the sack record. And that's just going out there and playing hard every play. There you have it, man. You you heard it here first about his foot and how it felt last year and, uh, you know, going going for the sack record here at the University of Florida. What I thought was really, really funny about it is he said, I'm going for a sack every single down, and you're going to shatter the sack record at the University of Florida and probably in college if you do get a sack every down. But that's the kind of attitude you like to see, especially coming from a guy that decided to come back at the University of Florida. You, you know, he talks about getting the – the, the paperback of what they submit to the NFL and him being third or fourth round draft pick. And he's like, no, I, I think I'm, I know I'm a lot better than that. So, you know, really good attitude to see from somebody that's been very productive. Like, as I said, 8.5 sacks last year with a bad foot. Now he get that foot healed up. You know, you get Mike Peterson's coaching and tutelage there. Oh uh, man, could be setting some sack records here at the university of Florida with that kind of attitude and that kind of play. How is this defense different from, from last year? Or is it not different in, in terms of what you're going to be doing and what you're asked to do? Um, you know, the goal is still the same, um, to get out to the quarterback, cause havoc. But, I mean, as far as technique-wise, you know, I'm a little tighter. I'm in a tight five instead of a loose nine. So it's, it's, a, it's a big difference when using your hand comes into play. Um, it's, everything's a lot quicker. So just getting used to that. But it's nothing, nothing I haven't seen before. I actually played this defense in high school. So I'm pretty um, pretty familiar with it. So there you have it. Not much of a difference from what he's used to. And he also gives his thoughts on Mike Peterson as well. Yeah. He was a productive guy. You know, dealing with a Gator great is kind of hard to compete with stats like that, you know. But at the end of the day, he just tell me to go hard. He, he correct me when I'm wrong and tell me when I'm doing good. So that's all I can ask from him. He says he wasn't sure if you guys knew of him as a player. Did you know Mike Pearson, that he played here, that he played in the NFL, or did he was just a new coach that came in? I definitely did my research. Um, I couldn't talk about anybody else, but I knew what I was getting when he came in, so I was happy to have him. Well, what's something that he's taught you that you were like, oh, man, I never thought about that? Like, uh, technique or some little, like, trick or whatever? You say, like, tricks to make plays or yeah, anything? Like something that he, like, you experience is like rubbed off on you like, okay. Oh, well, another thing, I mean, it's been a discussion that I don't play hard, so he been preaching to me that if you're not in the, if you're not in the um, TV um, box by the time the play is over, then it's a loaf. You're not running to the ball. So that's helped me, you know, turn the other way and get going when I'm done with my rush. So some really great things discussed between Cox and Peterson there, you know, talking about it being a loaf if you're not back in the TV box after a play is over. So just some really good mental things here 
that's been taught by uh, Mike Peterson. So good stuff here. Good stuff. Uh, also, we got to hear from a name that's uh, you know was a highly regarded top 150 edge recruit in the 2019 class who's been sitting idle. Learn from some of these guys. Antoine Powell. Kind of the same thing. Just what has uh, Mike P, him coming here, what has he brought to, to your position group and to you personally? Yeah, I mean, he's a Gator great, so he come with a, he come with an expectation already. So we got to meet the expectation every day, work hard, play hard, make sure we know everything we got to do. Did you know about his history before he got here? Uh, well, not really. I mean, he kind of recruited me back uh, when, when I was in high school, so I, he, he told me that already, so I already kind of had a good idea for him. Like, you told him no, South Carolina, <laughs> he's back here and making you pay for it now in practice. <laughs> it's crazy how it happened, though. Uh, yeah, he uh, he was in that South Carolina. He was recruiting me. I, I was it, it, He was a good, like, I never had a problem with him back in recruiting. I just felt like Florida was better. What do you like about the program under Billy? I'm sorry, what, you said Billy Napier. What, what, what's, what are you seeing? What are the changes? What's he bringing? Uh, he, he, he brought a lot of good changes. Uh, uh, player, like player experience-wise, you know, he, uh, he made the food better. You know, he, he, uh, the parking. He, 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 well, he got his parking spots, you know, so it wouldn't have no problems with tickets or anything like that. So, yeah, he, he, he made a good impact coming straight in. What did that parking mean for you? Oh, it meant a lot. More money in the pocket. You know, we don't have to spend money on getting getting towed or anything like that. So that was, that was a big help. Yeah, they're ruthless, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> How many tickets you get? I I wasn't you know I wasn't that much, but I, I, it was a few guys you know it was up there. Once and off. Yeah, exactly. I can I don't, I don't want to spend no money on the tickets. There you go. A little bit a uh, little bit of funny there uh, from uh, Antoine Powell. Said he was recruited by Peterson back in high school, you know, South Carolina, whatever. But uh, said he never had a problem with him. He just felt like Florida was better. He also talks about Billy Napier, which seems to be, and I've talked to at least twenty plus players about this, and the consensus across the board. And you know, he talks about the the food being better, the parking tickets, you know, <laughs> putting some extra money. In his pocket, and like I said before, man, these these kids don't have a lot of money going into college anyway. They're constantly studying. Uh, they're they're constantly, you know, being a part of football practice, and they, most of their life is consumed studying, going to practice, and uh, trying to better their football game. And sometimes, like I said, uh, they they have to work part time jobs to support what they got there. And now with the NIL collective and all that, that kind of eliminates that. So they can you know, concentrate on football, concentrate on, on school. And that's how it should be for every player across the board. But, you know, he talks about them tickets, man, and he's extra money in the pocket. But, I mean, you see the consensus across the board, and you see the smiles from the players when they talk about Billy Napier. So it's something really cool to see that, you know, you got a coaching staff that cares. you got a head coach that cares and, and wants to take care of these kids. And, uh, you know, you take care of the kids, the kids take care of you. So really cool things to see and really funny things to hear. And trust me, I know – about tickets being in the Atlanta area. So Antoine Powell, you, you, you're, you're talking uh, very familiar words with myself as well. How different have practices been just structure-wise? It seems like there's not really uh, any downtime. Uh, yeah, no, nah, it's, it's, it's a lot of moving around. You know, once, once one period is over, you're going, to, you're going on to the other side of the field for another period, you know. Uh, I, I think it kind of helps with stamina. You build stamina so you, you, you won't just be sitting around looking while, while other people's practice. What's this defense going to look like when it's playing like it's supposed to? Um, I feel like the defense can be very scary, like really, with, with the players that we have and the, 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 with, the, with the playbook that, that, that Coach PT got, I feel like we, we got something going on. What is, what is he like as a, as a coordinator? What do you like about him? 
he he got a reason for everything. Like if if he wants you to do this, he, he is when he gonna have a reason behind it. So like if if, if he wants you to slam, you know, go make an inside move, he gonna tell you why. Probably because the back, if the back is on the other side, you know, if it's say you're on the inside zone, anything you come smack it right in the face, anything like that. Never any downtime, always moving around, building stamina. You heard this last week when you listened to the interview. If you did listen to my interview with Lloyd Summerall, I highly suggest that you do because it was a fantastic interview. He also said that they are constantly pushing the players, trying to burn them out, get the stamina built up. And, you know, worst wonders, like I said, deep in the fourth quarter. So really good stuff here. And it seems like that's also the general consensus across the board when you talk to all the players. He, he says he also feels like the defense could be very scary. Talks about Patrick Tony having a reason for everything. You know, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, a lot of coaches, they teach the game, but some don't give a reason. You know, it goes back to attention to detail. You, you heard a few players say, tell me what I'm doing wrong, not what I'm doing right. What's the reason? Giving that reason, sometimes it helps the player understand and, and knows what to do in those certain situations. So some really great stuff here from Antoine Powell. And you can listen to all of those press conferences there on FloridaGators.com and on Gator Vision. So I want to give a special shout out here to Graham Hall for joining me as well, taking the time out of his busy schedule and going right back out there to spring practice to keep us updated as he always does there for everybody at the Gainesville Sun. But folks, that'll wrap it up for this episode of Getting Swamped. You can follow me on Twitter at Getting Swamped or the podcast page at Swamped Podcast. You can also find me on YouTube or at my website, www.gettingswamped.com. So folks, keep an eye on those crystal balls, those sunglass emojis, and that spring game coming up April 14th as we begin a new era in Florida Gator football. But that'll wrap it up, folks, for this episode of Getting Swamped, your latest in football statistics, special guests, and social media. Thank you for listening to Getting Swamped.